On this episode, Connor and Dustin Free is set for UFC 264. Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz are set to go for five rounds at UFC 262. John Jones, is he next for Francis Ngannou and the heavyweight title in the UFC? And Paddy Pimblett finally gets his call to the big time. Fighting out of the Mad Sports Network. By way of the latest news, greatest views and fight previews, we are The Guard Pass. It's the greatest intro of any podcast ever, just ever. Everyone, welcome to episode two of The Guard Pass. I am your host, Chris Collins. This is my co-pilot, my co-host, Justin. Before we get started, please look at the ticker below. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MMA and subscribe to us on YouTube. We are on the Mad Sports Network. Just search for Mad Sports Network MAD on YouTube and you will find us on there. Hit the subscribe button and you will know when all of our latest episodes become available. Justin, before I pass over to you to say hello to everyone, I owe you two apologies. The first apology is for repeatedly calling Leon Edwards, Leon Roberts last week. I don't know why I did it. <laughs> I'm just confused the two, and I'm really sorry. I mean, it could be his middle name. <laughs> <laughs> I Robert just figured you knew something yeah. I didn't know. I was like, don't, don't correct him. It's gone wrong you in the past. <laughs> You're too polite. You're too polite for your own good. So, yeah, next time, everyone needs to scream and comment and everything just saying, Chris, you're an idiot. Don't do that. But, yeah, I know who Leon Edwards is. I'm not stupid. <laughs> well, you, maybe I am. Do you, do you know who Leon Roberts is, though? <laughs> I, I do know who Leon Roberts is. He's a very good referee. <laughs> yeah, he He's is. a very good referee. You, you can understand. And um, the second apology I owe to you is we've just fresh, freshly got the one championship results because they were on last night here. And I didn't give Marais a chance against Demetrius Johnson. You did. We, we did, only only due to DJ's uh, age. I mean, a knee on the ground is not legal in, in the in the UFC where DJ spent the most of his career. Do you think do you think that's made him vulnerable to it? Or, I mean, back <sighs> in fight, though. It, it's the irony of it for me because when, when Petter Yan... I probably just butchered that name. Is it it's Piotr? Piotr Jan. Yeah, you, you say it beautifully. Just say that again for everyone who didn't hear you. Piotr. There you go. Spot on. Like when Jan. Jan... The comments saying that's not how you say it. <laughs> He's probably like, that's not it. Peter. It's Peter. Yeah. When Jan needs Sterling in the face, Demetrius Johnson came on to Twitter and said he was a big fan of knees to the head of grounded opponents, the irony in him taking one right to the mush. I mean, I mean, he's a big fan of throwing knees to the faces of ground opponents. I don't know if he's a big fan of receiving knees <laughs> to yeah. the face while he's grounded. Slightly different question. It's very, very similar to Darren Till when he was uh, complaining about the uh, the knee kicks. Yeah. Against, uh, Wonderboy. Wonderboy complained. Darren Till said, oh, what's, what's up with you? And then uh, he said, I oh, don't like those so much when Whitaker's throwing them, <laughs> throwing them at me. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. When, when we're on the receiving end of it, as you can see by my nose, uh, I've been hit by a fair few things in the face, including knees. Got to say, not a fan. Not on my list of things to do when I wake no. up in the morning. Need get kneed in the face. De definitely not by a professional fighter. No, no, not not whatsoever. But it was a great card anyway. Rod Tang looked unbelievable. We spoke about that fight uh, a little bit. He got a new opponent, obviously, but even on short notice, there was nothing his opponent could do. And uh, Eddie Alvarez getting disqualified for punches to the back of the head. I, th I thought that was a little harsh. I mean, mm. in the interview, Eddie's saying, I thought if he touched the ear, there were a couple that snuck in that were definitely a little bit suspect, but... Was he winning that fight to get the to get um, the chap in that position? Yes. Was he doing damage? Yes. Did did the fellow turn his head away? Yes. So it's it's a really really difficult call. Yeah, he's hard. He's just not having a great time of it over there, is he? I mean, he looked good against Follyang last fight, but that's a that's a setback. That I'm gonna I'm gonna assume they're just gonna run that one back, but we'll we'll see how that ends up. Now. 
let's we've had god knows how many news stories it's been so hard to try and get these down to a few that we're just going to cover in the time that we've got here but let's go over the major major news and probably the biggest that we've had just in terms of the popularity of both fighters connor and dustin are gonna do it again mate july the 10th ufc 264 give it if, if at first you don't succeed <laughs> this, this is this is connor versus nate all over again yeah to the round to the round. Nate Diaz finished Connor in the second round. Connor tried to blow him out of the water. It didn't quite work. A little bit more subdued with Poirier. Don't think he completely banked on finishing. I don't think he was eating burgers and cookies before the fight like he was with Nate. But loses in the second round. Immediate rematch. What, what's your thoughts on Connor? Are we going to get the same the same resurgence? Uh, it's hard to call because we've seen with Connor. Connor get listen. Connor gets a lot of hate. And I get it. Like he's very mouthy, and he has a lot of opinions, and he's very popular. And when you're at that level in the stratosphere where he is, you open yourself up to a lot of comments, negative and positive. The one thing I will say for Connor is he he's got he's got some bollocks on him, and he puts it all on the line. There never seems to be any excuses, win or lose, and he's not made any excuses here either. He's come out repeatedly and said Dustin was a better man, which he was. Dustin came back and redeemed himself after, you know, years ago when he was nowhere near the level that he's at now, uh, got blown out in the war in the first round um, against Connor, and, and he just readjusted beautifully. The, the leg kicks in particular, Connor just had no answer for. Uh, Connor, we've seen before, has gone back to the drawing board and come back miles better with a miles better game plan. Um, obviously, most famously against Nate Diaz. I would not bet against him doing it again. But I think there's a bit of a difference between Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier, for me, is the best lightweight in the world, possibly ever, not named Khabib Nurmagomedov. Oh, that's a big shout. That's a big shout when you think of BJ Penn. Oh, yeah. I love BJ Penn. You know that hurts me. You know that hurts me to say. But have a look at the graphic here. I'll bring the graphic up for you. And we'll just have a look at Dustin first. So 27-6 and 1-1-0 one, one, no contest. Former interim champion, obviously, couldn't quite get the job done against Khabib. Uh, four performance of the night, seven fight of the nights, and one submission of the night, back when we used to have those. Uh, very well-rounded in terms of his finishes, but look at the list of names that he's beaten. Max Holloway twice, Eric Koch, Duffy, Bobby Green, Jim Miller, Pettis, Gaethje, Alvarez, Hooker, and then Connor in the last fight where he looked superb. I mean, coming he's to a monster. Has made Justin Poirier. He's a monster at lightweight. He's an absolute machine at lightweight. Yeah. And Connor felt that because I think um, I always get these mixed up. Featherweight, I always get feather and flyweight mixed up. And it's, the, it's the dyslexia. Don't, don't <laughs> it's supposed to just be letters. With me, it's full words. Maybe I'm just thick. Um, <laughs> when he went up to lightweight, it's, it's made him same, same as it sort of did to RDA. But Poirier has been able to build on that and keep the momentum going. I think if Poirier can take it into another zone again, so he mixed it up the second time, slowed down, gave himself space to let the leg kicks work, capitalised. If he can change it up again, come out in a wrestling single, look, Connor, you're a much cleaner striker. If we were to have a kickboxing match, if we have to have a boxing match, I think it definitely favours Connor. Poirier is just a little bit too scrappy. Great for MMA because you can't hide behind the gloves. Connor is much cleaner. So we're not going to have a kickboxing match. We're not going to have a boxing match. My wrestling is much better than yours. My submissions are much better than yours. I mean, Dustin's oh, been yeah. a black belt BJJ for much longer than Connor has been. I think Connor's a brown belt now. Yeah, I put him at brown belt level. He looks like a brown belt. Yeah, is that that's because he's wearing the the brown belt? That's how you tell. Um, yeah, that's how I <laughs> got the brown belt on. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that's that's what Dustin needs to do again. Connor Connor is planning for a certain Dustin Poirier. Connor is going right. If, I, if all remains equal and I check that leg kick, I win that fight. He backs himself to win it, and you can see why he would, because it stays in the sort of kickback boxing realm. Dustin Dustin may look at that and go right. Well, that's cool. The leg kicks you've you've scratched that off. So let's let's add another another um, angle. What what are your thoughts, Chris? Oh, I, I agree with you. The only, the only thing I would slightly disagree on is um, Poirier, for some reason, he's always been known as a scrappy striker. I say for some reason. 
mainly because of the wars that he's been in. That, that's the reason, Chris. But he's been known as a scrappy striker over the years. But when he's got a box, he his boxing's good. It's, it's very good for MMA. Yeah. Is it is it good when you compare it to Conor McGregor's hand speed? No. Boxing? And no. We, we spoke about this yesterday, just to break the fourth wall. Is that breaking the fourth wall? The 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 exhibition that Conor put on against Eddie Alvarez, who is a similar sort of style striker to Poirier. Their their fight was an absolute war because all things were sort of even. They both just want to come forwards, engage in the pocket. Connor's able to manage that distance, which is what which is what twins it for me. Yeah. I yeah, I Sorry, agree with that. Talk, talk straight over. He said, let me give you your opinion just now. Let me tell you why you're wrong immediately, Chris. <laughs> we do this all the time. We do that. We, we we disagreed on something last night at kickboxing outside, by the way. We're, we're allowed to train outside. I'll just say that for the audience. We're following uh, COVID rules. But yeah, we, we disagree on stuff all the time. But it's all love. Connor, let's bring him up. Let's have a look. And uh, apologies for the graphics this week. I've had a, seems to have a bit of a problem where the graphics just don't seem to want to stretch full screen. But it's all right. You can uh, have a look at oh, God, There you go. You can see me around there now. So it allows us to do that, which is always fun. 22 and 5, Connor McGregor, former. <laughs> Cage Warriors champ champ, former UFC champ champ, seven performances of the night, one fight of the night, I believe, which was against Nate Diaz, the second fight, and one knockout of the night. He is very much a knockout artist, as we know. Wins over Holloway, Poirier, years and years ago, Mendez, Aldo, Nate, Alvarez, and Cowboy Cerrone. Yeah, the guys, Poirier's a tremendous striker, but Connor's just he's one of the best strikers we've seen across any weight class in the sport, maybe, you know, period. He's up there with Silver for me, with Anderson yeah. Silver. He's, he's a master of that craft. You you could take Connor and you could put him into glory and he would hold his own, if not if not do very, very well with people who just train kickboxing. He would definitely have to learn to check that kicks then, but he would do very well. Yeah. Well, we'll... We'll end it there because we've probably built it up as much as we possibly can before we actually get to the event. But uh, one word, Dustin or Connor, go. Connor. Dustin. Ooh. Oh, see, we just cannot agree on anything. We cannot agree on anything. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just hear you say something and I just think like, no, I'm going to go the other way. You know, I haven't <laughs> I think I think Connor, but I think maybe round three. Yeah, and that's that's the. I, I don't want to go into why, but that, that's what I think. Uh, I think I, go on, Dustin's go on. Sorry, got a lot of confidence now. He survived round one that that time. He's he's not. Hopefully, he won't have the the boogeyman of Connor's round one. He'll have the confidence to come out. But if he comes yeah. out, that opens things up, and then we we see Connor come out a little bit slower, like he did against Nate Diaz, and then and sort of start to see what he did against Alvarez again, maybe. But we'll see. Awesome. Good shout. I like that. That yeah, every every possibility happens. Um I say Dustin, but I'm gonna say decision. I think Connor comes out and makes the adjustments that he needs to. I think it's a war and I just think Dustin can outlast him and that's that. Speaking of people who can't get on, like we seem to not be able to do today, uh we'll move on to one of Connor's best friends. Nate Diaz. Oh. Leon Edwards. May the fifteenth, USC two sixty two co-main event this one was random i did not see this one coming at all this is an absolute corker of a fight but it's very much a curveball i mean yeah when, when was the last time nate diaz is always in in the news but when was the last time you heard nate diaz at a ufc press conference other than dana saying i've tried calling him and he's not picked up the phone it, it's weird isn't it like we spoke a bit about about it briefly yesterday um but we'll bring up the graphic. Oh, that graphic works. There you go. That's full screen. Uh, UFC 262 co-main event. It's the first ever co-main event in history. That's not for a title that will go over five rounds, which, you know, thank you, UFC. Finally, you're giving us great fights for, for two rounds longer, which is what we want. But it's only the sixth fight either of them have been involved in. Is it? Is it actually, though? I thought Connor versus Cerrone was five rounds. Or was it not? Uh, it was it was a main event, wasn't it? Yeah, but, but so was it not five rounds? Yeah, it was it was five rounds. So this is going to be oh, the first ever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so it's co-main. So this is the first of a co-main non-title five rounder, which there is perfect. Go. Yeah, we, we should do this more often. Chris, it cut cow out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's only the sixth fight that either man has been involved in since the start of 2019. They just don't. I mean, Leon's different from Nate. Nate just doesn't want to fight. Leon wants to fight, but no one seems to have wanted to fight him. It's, it's meant to take away the Bilal Muhammad, should we say, scenario? Because I don't think you can you count it one and a half rounds. You mm. probably can for the for the camp and the and the experience. If you take away that fight, Leon Edwards hadn't fought more recently. Careful with the words here than Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz had fought more recently than Leon Edwards, which is a yeah. ridiculous statement when you think of the the frequency of Nate Diaz. He's a once every two years kind of character. I mean, obviously, the start of his career, he was just reeling fights off. You know, the best period I ever saw Nate in was like the cowboy fight. Do you remember the cowboy fight years ago? Yeah. Uh, he was he was phenomenal. But I don't, I'm not I'm not saying he's not better now. Like you know, he's he's obviously got better as time's gone on. But that particular run that he was on, he was formidable. And you think to yourself, how good could Nate be? if he had fought two or three times a year since. Yeah, and if he'd stayed at lightweight. I, I don't like Nate at welterweight at all. I, don't get me wrong, he's got skills. Just like we've seen RDA, we've seen Cowboy do well at welter from coming up from lightweight. I think Masvidal's maybe the only... Is Masvidal the only one that's come up that's actually managed to get a title shot? Because I don't think RDA did. Cowboy definitely didn't. Pettis hasn't. So Masvidal, no. out, out of the four that have come up to my immediate memory, there might be more. Masvidal is the only one to get to get far enough to get a title shot and make that switch work. So as much as we yeah. talk about, or the more hydrated, they're they're performing better. It's it's not quite worked out in the long run, I don't think. And I, I think you see that with Nate Diaz. The only fight he's won at welterweight was the first Connor fight. Yeah, I mean, he's. I just, I just don't, I don't see what's to gain with Nate Diaz fighting Leon Edwards at welterweight for Nate Diaz. For Leon, it's a fantastic fight. It's a bigger name than Bilal Mohamed. It is an absolute, like we discussed two weeks ago, a shouting post for him to stand up on. If he wins, it can, he should be able to scream and shout, and he will, he will have the attention. But for Nate Diaz, what, what is the upside here? I mean, is he thinking if he wins, he gets the corner fight? Is he fighting at welter? So if he loses, he's still not lost at lightweight so he could get the corner fight because that's the only angle I see mm. for years after this is is the McGregor fight. So, so, yeah, go on, Chris. It's No, all, all I was going to say, I, I 100% agree. Um, I, I really don't see what the game plan is for Nate. I think that's why it's been such a curveball and no one really expected this to get announced. But, Leon, I mean, Leon's come out and said, you know, it's great that it's five rounds. It means two extra rounds of me kicking his head in basically which me and you have kind of agreed behind the scenes that's probably what's going to happen but in in the off chance that Nate wins this fight yeah you'd hope it'd be Connor because I mean don't be asking for that Kamara Usman fight please don't do that 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 wouldn't be good for Nate Diaz no stylistically it's a very bad matchup this this is a good matchup for Leon because Nate doesn't have strong wrestling We, we talk about the anti-theist of uh, British fighters, and it is the wrestling. It is the ingrained American wrestling that we we seem to come up again and again. I mean, how how long Bisping versus Charles Sonnen? You can argue Bisping won that fight, and I will argue that Bisping won that fight until you blew yeah. the face. But the wrestling decided it in the eyes of the judges for jail, and it just yeah. come, we come a cropper to it every single time because we just don't have the that from a young age we don't have the infrastructure here for wrestling. Um. So it's Leon's got is avoided that. So as long as he can keep it off the ground where Nate is a specialist, I don't see Nate Diaz having the tools to deal with all of Leon's tools. Leon just has more options on the feet. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Uh, it, it's it's Leon's all day for me. I, I do just think he has too many tools. Um, and you, you're right about the wrestling. I mean, we've learned it. We had obviously we won't fully name drop him because maybe he doesn't want to be fully name dropped but we had James uh, come over and visit us at Uni of Chester MMA didn't we uh, from America and he was a division three a legit division three wrestler and I've, I've that done was... judo since I was 11 12 in the UK 
not I'm not been on any, any Olympic teams, but I've I've been involved in a sport where you grab hold of people standing and you attempt to put them on the floor in a, a gentle to non-gentle manner, depending on how much how much difficulty they give you. And I said to myself, is you're gonna get me, but you're not having the first, you're not having the first the first one. I'm gonna try not give you the second one. And it, in the end, Chris, it was like a it was like a father playing with their three-year-old kid. Just oh, oh you fell over again, you're okay. Yeah. Your bottle. Yeah, no, absolutely could not touch it. So then you think of that and you add it all in together in, in the cage, it's crikey. He, yeah, he he treated me the same way Rory McDonald treated Nate Diaz back <laughs> back in the day when I thought Nate Diaz well away is not for you, go back down, and that's that's probably the best note that we can leave that on <laughs> in the sense that it's a good thing for Leon that Nate doesn't possess that kind of wrestling. He's going to cause issues for Leon if the fight hits the ground. Of course he will. It's Nate Diaz. The the guy's as tricky as he come. Especially with MMA, I mean, obviously you got your pure, your, your purists when it, it comes to jiu-jitsu and, and, and grappling in its own sort of sense in its own bubble. But Nate's one of those fighters where he's tailored his his jits perfectly for for mixed martial arts. In terms of transitions, you know, there's there's not many who are who are much better. If if Nate Diaz loses and sticks around, I would love to see him fight Ryan Hall. I would love to see him fight Ryan Hall. They've had grappling matches before. Um, Ryan Hall's style is just... It's very good stylistically. You can make an argument for both of them. The ground, you assume both high-level black belts. Standing, Nate wants to be close. Ryan wants to be further away. Imagine the distance. I think think it's a fantastic fight for both of them. And Ryan's really struggling to get opponents because he's he's an absolute monster. Yeah. yeah, so he's it's, it's in a sort of similar position to Leon Edwards. Um, but yeah, that, that's where I sort of see it going if Nate loses. But can you see Nate sticking around if he loses? Or is he going to um, go back, back into the club with his brother? I think regardless of what happens, I think the Connor fight's always going to be there, win, win, lose or draw. So that will pre, that will pre, that will be the, the next option for him anyway. But we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what goes on with that. Can you sell the Connor-Nate fight? If they both lose, if they both yeah. lose, is that still an option? Yeah, people are always going to watch Nate, and people are always going to watch Connor. So you know, it, Connor, there's a lot more riding on on Connor because he's his career is a top level lightweight or welterweight, depending on which one he wants to to go back to or fight in. He's over if he cannot beat Dustin Poirier. That that's why I respect Connor so much for. He's just been beaten and it wasn't close. And he's going to go back in there and he's telling the world, I'm going to make the adjustments and I'm going to go in there and I'm going to beat him. So that's why that fight's so exciting for me. Um, Nate, we've seen him lose loads and loads of times before, but because he's so fun and we love him, we'll watch him, even if he has a, a, you know, 50 losses on his record and it numbers the amount of times he's won by three or four times. Do you know what I mean? We're always going to watch Nate Diaz. Yeah, I, I will watch Nate Diaz fight. I will. Yes. I will stay up to watch Nate Diaz fight, especially now they're so so scarce. Speaking of fights you'd love to watch, is John Jones and Francis Ngannou next, Justin? And are the UFC going to play ball and give Bones the money he wants? There's two points here. The first is that Ngannou's just turned down Derek Lewis, so with the excuse of it's too soon, is yeah. he holding out for the Jones fight? Quite possibly. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think he is. It it's probably is a little soon anyway to fight Lewis, but the fact that he's turned it down and not just said, let's move the date, tells me I think he's waiting for John Jones. The The second thing, that the, the matter of pay with John Jones, a slight segue, and, I, and I, I'm only going to say one of the fighters' names that's involved in this fight because the other one should not be involved in any sort of professional fighting podcast. And that's the Ben Askren fight that's coming up with um, the YouTube personality. personality Logan Paul's brother. <laughs> it's like fighting Posh Becks, isn't it? It just yeah. you, you were close to someone who's famous. Although, to be fair to Posh Becks, you did have that band that was going for a little bit, did a couple of pub, pub gigs. Um, ben Askren has come out and said that this is going to be the biggest payday of his career, fighting basically a, an internet nobody. Yeah. 
he's not a nobody, but I'm too too old for, for me to know who he is and what, what he does and why he's even famous. But that that's a really sad state of affairs to me because Ben Askren has been champion of two different MMA companies, multiple defences in both. He's then also fought in the UFC as a big-name draw. Admittedly, yeah. he was never champion. And it, it brings you sort of round to the... Every now and again, we're here to, we're here to speak of the Alley Act. Um, and I've done a little bit of reading on this. And basically, the it's, it's not all good, the Alley Act. It's, it's not all bad. It's sort of just it's just a different situation. Yeah. But it, the Alley Act would make it illegal to... You would have to show exactly what everyone is getting paid for every fight. And it would make the UFC... I mean, Askren had to go to the UFC to ask if he could fight the YouTube geezer. It would mean that the maximum contract length that the UFC could have would be a year long. So if a fighter is you know, leaving or wants to go to different pastures and then wants to do an exhibition a year and a half after retiring, they can do. Whereas the likes of um, Triple C is still on UFC books, I would I would wager. They still have rights. If he wanted to go and do a jiu-jitsu match or a, a boxing match or a kickboxing match, not that I think he would want to do a kickboxing match, no. um, he would have to get permission from the UFC first because he's, yeah. they still have his rights. So how is this relevant to John Jones, you ask? Because John Jones is asking for money, and John Jones is, as we said last week, we waxed lyrical on how good John Jones is. John Jones is potentially the Canelo Alvarez of MMA. Not in terms of a draw, because I think that's maybe Izzy, Izzy Adesanya. But he's he's a multiple-time defending champion. He's only lost once, and you can argue that he's not lost because it was a silly rule. Yeah. To Mark Hamill. Wrong... Wrong, wrong angle on your elbows, John. Yeah, absolutely whooping his ass, and he lands one incorrect elbow, and it's like, oh, we're disqualified. Oh, you've lost now. Well, yeah. I mean, let's put things into perspective. So the question is, does John Jones deserve what he's asking for? One hundred percent. You think so? He he one hundred percent deserves more money, but the fact of the matter is, all of the fighters deserve more money. And you've got to you've got to try and bridge the gap with the UFC between what you deserve and what you realistically know that you're going to get. Like Connor, for instance, Connor earned Connor's fortune and Connor's life is all built upon the Floyd Mayweather fight. The money he made in that fight will never be touched by any other fight that he does. Now, part of that obviously is because he's fighting Floyd Mayweather who is, you know, the highest earning fighter across any discipline ever. If you can find someone else, you let me know. But the other part of it is that's boxing. And once you get to the top level in boxing, which also has its own issues, and we won't get into it because it's a long discussion for another day, it also has its own issues with how the money spread across cards. But boxing, when you're at the top level and you're a draw, you get unreal sums of money. And at the top of the UFC, you just don't. Yeah. And... It's He's not Connor level. No, it's a lot closer in the UFC from the guy on the bottom of the card to the guy on the top. But if yeah. you add it all up, I would wager. I think I did the maths very, very loosely for the last Canelo card. The the, the total fighter pay in the boxing still outweighed the total UFC fighter pay. Now, I don't want to be quoted on that because I don't I don't see the ins and outs and I don't see the sneaky backroom bonuses and I don't see I'm not sat down with an Excel file and and worked it out with tax in Las Vegas versus with tax in Chicago. But the total numbers to me a layman seem to be the other way around. We're at a point now where MMA has grown. MMA is yeah. now a global sport. The UFC has maybe more money than it knows what it what to do with it. And that's helped in the pandemic because they've been able to just go and invade half of a country and cordon off a large section of Dubai. <laughs> just have, we're just going to have fights here, but I live here. Yeah. No, you're not. We're, we're having fights here. Go away. Yeah. We'll call it Fight Island. Yeah. It's <laughs> my house. No, it's not. <laughs> why, why is this bald man in the lounge? He's going to go, yeah. Is it? No. Anyway, but yeah, it's allowed them to do things that I think other promotions can't do. But maybe the balance needs to be looked at a little bit. I, I don't think John Jones is going to get Canal money. I don't think he's going to get 50, 60 million. Should he have a slice of the pay-per-view? 100%. Should he probably get more than 10 million? 100% he should. Will he get 
any of those things. You just don't know. No. It, it depends whether they want to make that fight or whether they whether the UFC believes that Ngannou can become the massive draw for that division that they want him to. But in the long run, Ngannou beating someone, like if Ngannou beat Jones, we are going off to the races. Because could you imagine? And we discussed this a little bit last week, but yeah. that is the fight that we are looking at, you know, potentially the next heavyweight title fight. And we, we won't talk about Miocic because we'll, we'll end up going down a... a an avenue on now why he actually deserves the rematch if we're going to be purists about the sport. He but, does deserve the rematch, just to put that yeah. out there. Yeah. there. Because he definitely does. But he won't and that's get it. it. Yeah, exactly. I 100% agree with you on that. We've already spoke about John Jones. The only loss of his career, that DQ against Hamill. And Garnu, all 16 of his wins have been by stoppage. He's stopped every single opponent that he's beaten. He is just a destroyer of men. Jones hasn't finished anyone for a long time. And you could argue that he's had some close shaves at light heavyweight. But is that because the competition's getting better? Or is that because John Jones is so good that he fights against the level of his competition? And a fight against Nganu would bring out the best John Jones that we've ever seen. I think you've got to we've got to be careful here because we can't just all assume that all things are even. The standard in the light heavyweight division is a million higher than the heavyweight division. We have heavyweights that couldn't spell jujitsu, that don't that don't wrestle. Taitu Ivasa, I'm sure he can wrestle. He's got some defensive wrestling, but we have fighters in the Taitu Ivasa is an unfair example. But we have fighters in the heavyweight division that are one-dimensional fighters. They have their skill set like old-school MMA. Yeah. And that's because if you're that size, heavyweight size, and you are a super athlete, then there are higher paying jobs in sports that don't involve getting punched in the face by another super athlete. You know, they let you put your helmet, a helmet on and chuck a ball around and you get many, many more pennies for this. Yeah. So why would you? Why would you do it? Um, so I think I think Jones has got a very, very legitimate chance, a much higher chance than people think, just based off, oh, Ngannou's got power. We are praising Ngannou for doing against Stipe what is a, would be basic, basic things in any other division. He stuffed the takedown correctly. Fantastic. N- name another fighter in the light heavyweight division that could not stuff a single leg correctly. I'm not saying they would pull it off, but they would know how to do it. And they, yeah. would, they would go through the sequence and the wrestling sequence, then the, the fighter doing the takedown would have to find a different answer. You know that DC. I mean, yeah, DC could. DC could probably stuff a takedown. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, possibly. (laughs) But but we're praising we're praising Ngannou for doing basic basic things in MMA, bread and butter Mm -hmm. MMA. It's it's, no, it's not the worst thing because if you can make bread and butter MMA work and he has that power, then it's a it's a it's a difficult puzzle to unpick. But John Jones is is not getting praised for doing basic things. John Jones is getting praised for taking strikers into a striking fight and beating them, take, taking people like Thiago Silva into deep, deep water in a, what was essentially a kickboxing match. Yeah. And at any point, you know, John Jones could take Thiago down. Or you think he could. He's not tried, so we don't know. But he could. And this could be very different if it was on the ground. So John Jones has a much bigger bag of tricks. The question is, can he deal with, Engano has three tricks. Can he deal with those three? Bearing in mind that two of those are his left and right hands. As you so eloquently said last week, or last podcast rather. Last podcast. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts? Uh, it, it's We said it, you know, two weeks ago. John Jones has a, John Jones has a toolbox full of tools and Ngannou is coming to your house uh, with a hammer and a spanner. And and that's probably the best way. It's probably the weirdest way. I mean, what an analogy that is. But it's probably the best way that you can put it. You know, Ngannou's got a couple of tricks up his sleeve. John Jones is the complete, all the way around mixed martial artist. And he can not only do it all, he can transition from one to the other, to the other, to the other, beautifully. And he's an absolute psychopath in the sense that he 
seems to be able to raise his game to the level of his opponent and not only do that, but see what his opponent's strength is and say, yeah, that's where I'm going to fight you and that's where I'm going to beat you. Because I'm not just going to beat you, I'm going to dismantle you in a way where you do not want to come back and fight me. I think if Jones gets the payday he wants, this may be the last time we see him. Jones is already a multi-millionaire. Jones is already one of the best ever. If he beats Ngannou, I fully expect mic drop. I'm out. I'm not giving anyone else the chance to beat me. I'm already getting older. I've already gone up a division. I've just fought that monster. No. Yeah. I'd, maybe not, but that, that's what I expect, especially if he gets... And I think that's part of the reason why the UFC don't want to pay him as much as he's asking for, because they go, you were going to pay you this. You're going to be the heavyweight champion of the world, potentially. And then you're going to GSP on us. You're just going to disappear off into the sunset. And then, I mean, does somebody get a very pissed off Francis Ngannou then? Because I would hate to be that person. Francis trying to win his belt back. Probably probably Derek Lewis. Oh, she. <laughs> <laughs> the, my most favourite heavyweight of all time. I think everyone's most favourite heavyweight of all time. What a guy. But it's going to be an incredible fight when it happens. Um, if it happens, we'll, we'll you know keep everyone tuned with that one. Who do you think wins? Jones. Jones. Yeah, 100%. I just he's he's not going to get caught. I mean, I know I know there's always a possibility that you can land the shot and there's a puncher's chance and stuff. It's just John Jones we're talking about. It's just not going to happen. I thought the same thing about Stepe. Uh, I know, but <laughs> I thought I this is I said exactly the same. I sat down yeah. to watch the Stepe and Garner fight, and that is exactly what I reeled off. But take away John Jones, put Stepe in. And it, the danger bells rang for me when Ngannou's hand went onto the back of Stipe's head when he was on that single leg. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I was watching it. I was like, something's afoot here. <laughs> something's not going the way that I thought it was going to go. defended it like he defended the takedowns in the first fight, a la Francis Ngannou, a la, I am stronger than you, therefore I'm not going to the floor. And then there was just like a little switch, and he went, oh, no, this is where this goes. And he went, oh, no. The alarm bells ringing in my head. I can't imagine what it was like to be in Stipe's head at that point. What yeah. somebody's toying wrestling? That was very, very unsportsmanlike. Bless him. I hope we see Stipe back soon. I hope he gets a shot he deserves, but we'll see. Talking about shots that people deserve. How's that for a segue? Paddy Pimlet has just signed with the UFC. He finally, at the third time of asking, gets his opportunity in the biggest MMA organisation in the world. 16 and 3, former Cage Warriors, featherweight champion, has obviously fought a lightweight as well, which he is where he currently is. Um, very well-rounded, trains at Next Generation MMA in Liverpool, in the UK. There's been some fantastic fighters come out of there, you know, namely, I mean, take your pick, Chris Fishgold, for example, Molly McCann. Um, and he's, he's probably his best win was against Julian Arosa, who people may recognise his name or his face from the Ultimate Fighter a fair few seasons back. Also beating Kevin Petschi, who is a rising um, rep. He's fought over in Ryzen a couple of times. I'd say those were his, his two biggest wins. The, the thing that strikes me about Paddy Pimblett, and we'll talk about him a little bit more a little later at the podcast, at the end of the podcast, so we won't get into it too much here before before we uh, go on to the next subject. The the level of his competition worries me. And I I just don't want the UFC to throw him to the wolves because he's popular. He's got a lot of ability and a lot of potential. And I, I like him a lot. He's very marketable. And I hope they bring him along the right way. Yeah, 100%. Paddy has turned down the UFC offer now, previous to this, three times because he himself didn't think he was ready. I I think he's better than he shows. I mean, his last fight was an absolute yeah. wham, bam, done to the pub. You know, yeah. he was fighting like his favourite restaurant was closing in 15 minutes and he hadn't put his order in before. He was, he was phenomenal. It was, it was incredible. I, I think it really does depend which division he goes to. He's going to yeah. be a very big flyweight. He'd be a reasonably normal-sized lightweight. But we'll see. Ho- hopefully the UFC do what they did with Connor and they, they start him out with the, you know, the, the sort of where he, where he belongs in the division rather than chucking him straight up. Yeah. 
it'll be interesting. Um, like I say, we've, I've got a, a bit of a subject to go over with, with Paddy Pimble at the end. We'll get into it in a little bit more detail, but it'll be interesting to see who they give him as a, as a first opponent. Justin, do you like tennis? I, I do like tennis. I used to play tennis. Well, you'll love this then because it's time for Big Fight Tennis. Big Fight Tennis. I don't know where you're getting these pictures from, Chris, but stop it. <laughs> Seriously, though. <laughs> They're off your Facebook and I stalk you. So what? It's Big Fight Tennis. Let's predict the huge fights that are coming up in all of the major organisations soon. Me and Justin have both got three each. We will do them in chronological order and we will just whack the ball across to the other person so that they can go through their fight and henceforth and so on and so forth. So let's get the old graphic up of the fights that we have chosen. There they are. Aiden Machida 2 is the first one up. Light heavyweight, Bellator 256 on April the 9th. Justin, give us right. your thoughts. Machida is 42 years old. Just let that sink in for a little bit. Machida is 42 years old. Wow. He's been around since before I started training MMA. Like he, he's been around. He has he has walked the block a few times, shall we say? Bader's thirty seven. He's also no spring chicken. I just feel like Bader's. I mean, Machida's for people who aren't recognisable names in the yeah. last two, and he's lost. Um, sorry, I say not recognisable names. Phil Davis and Musasi. But he's lost decisions. Bader lost his last fight to Nemkov. Did get finished, but I just feel like Bader's Bader's got a little bit more cartilage in his joints yeah. at this point. I love I love Machida. I would I would love for Machida to win. Um, I just he's got no business fighting professionally at forty two. So it brings us back round to the to the the fight purse conversation, but we won't go down that that alleyway. What do you think? Uh, I completely agree with that. I think um, it, they're a long way away from the first time they fought in the UFC, which was on the same card. This is how long ago it was. It was on the same card as Shogun and Brandon Vera. Brandon Vera is a flash from the past. Do you remember when they did the, the UFC embedded and he basically made everyone barbecue? Yeah. yeah. So I you think, watch I another embedded and they're all training in the gym and you watch Vera's embedded and he's making barbecue on the beach and you're going, this is only going to go one way. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure that was that fight because, you know, he'd had a hard time and he was kind of on the way back and yeah. I'm sure it was the same card and he, he put in a good performance against Shogun but ultimately he lost. But um, they've come a long way since then and uh, yeah, I... I think I think Bader's just got a little less mileage at this point. It's just one of those, isn't it? So, so Vittori and Holland, and you can hear the disappointment in my face here. That's a statement. Yeah, because you know the obvious omission from that is uh, our friend, Mister. I say our friend. We don't know him, but I wish he was my friend. Darren Till is missing. Obviously, broke his collarbone. He's out of the fight. But Kevin Holland makes things interesting. And the thing with Kevin Holland is he, I feel like some, well, not even some of, a lot of the gloss has been taken off him just because he lost his last fight against Brunson. But he was on a great streak before then. And he was fighting regular, like every couple of months. And we're not talking he's just beating nobodies. You know, there's, there's the likes of Jacare in that run. And I know Jacare's bobbing on a bit now. He's probably 40, 41. But it's still Jacare Sousa. So Kevin Hollands, he's, he's not beating cans. And just because the fight against Brunson just didn't go the way that he wanted it to, I feel like a lot a lot of the steam that he started building is now gone and it's gone a bit flat. So this could be potentially a perfect opportunity for him to bounce back because Vittori's got a lot of praise and he's got a lot of people thinking that he might be the dark horse in the division based off two fights, which is the fight against Hermanson which is a great win. Hermanson's been solid over the last couple of years with the form he showed. And the fact that he lost a split decision to Adesanya in what looks on paper to be a close fight. But I feel like Adesanya was in control that entire fight without really stepping out of the gears too much. And I think Vittori, 
he's a little bit more one-dimensional than people are giving him credit for. So I can see an upset on the cards here. I don't know what you think. I feel exactly the same way. I, I really like Marvin Vittori, but but I thought it was a it wasn't the best matchup for him against Arentel. I feel like this is a real opportunity for Kevin Holland. You've just had Derek Brunson, who's similarly ranked to Vittori. They're sort of on the outside of the of the top level in that division. Yeah. It's a great it's a second chance at a statement. How how often do you get that in the in the UFC? I would like Vittori to win just because of the shit talking that he's been doing with Darren Tell. <laughs> and I, I just think it would be great if he won and then Darren came back and beat him with his broken rib. Um, sorry, collarbone. Just just took the bone out and beat him with it. Yeah. But, um, I, I, I do see Holland having more chance. Neither of them are big wrestlers and that seemed to be the, the Holland, Holland games. Holland's game last time out. Yeah. So I, I just see Holland maybe as being a little bit too good. Yeah. Right. I'm serving it back over to you. Yusuf and Alan at Featherweight, UFC Vegas 23 on April the 10th. The same card as for Tory Holland. This is the main or the co-main event rather. Give us your thoughts, Justin. And Arnold Allen, best moustache in the UFC. Won, the last, won his last seven fights with a 56% finish rate. Yusuf... Spelt his name more times wrong on my notes than I've spelt it correct. Be a double <laughs> S, it's a W. Um, apologies. If at any point Yusuf does hear this, I don't feel he will. I'm sorry. Please don't hurt me. Um, he's also unbeaten in the UFC. He's won his last yeah. four, last six overall, including the Contender Series. 55% finish rate. So a lot closer than it looks on the UFC records matched up as a fight. The big thing here is that when Yusuf wins... It's a KO or a TKO. Uh, Alan has finished people by TKO, KO. He's also submitted people. The, that one with Mads Brunel was absolutely insane. Yeah. Right in the last round, right at the death. Um, I, I feel like Arnold's got more tools. Arnold's also got Faraz in his corner, which and he's training with Ryan Hall at Fight Star, Tri- TriStar, not Fight Star, different place. That's a that's um, a damn that. <laughs> that's yeah. Just, I'm getting old, Chris. The, the cogs, the cogs need oiling. Yeah. Um, we, we found this out last night at Kitbottom. Continue. <laughs> I do, I, yeah. So I just feel like Alan's got, Alan's got more tools to win this. He could get caught. Yusuf has a, a lot of power. He could catch him. but And, and I, I'm never not going to back Alan. Yeah, I, Alan's got far too many tools. I completely and utterly agree with you on that one. Um, I, I'm going to go the same route as you on that. Next one, this could be potentially the best fight of the six coming up. Lee and Nasty Yukon, what a fight. And just because it's in a different promotion, it's probably going to get glossed over a little bit. Lightweight championship for one championship, one on TNT, two on April the 14th. Christian Lee on a five-fight win streak won the title against Aoki, Shinya Aoki, who submission fanaticals will will know all about he is a uh go and have a look at his highlight reel on youtube that'll keep you entertained um and as wins against lapicus who you know sort of won but sort of didn't last night and tokodome who people may recognize as being a former opponent of storm in norman park who used to be in the ufc irish northern irish lad um and then we got nasty yukon who people will recognize or would have been introduced to when he destroyed eddie alvarez he's on a two-fight win streak himself he's beaten alvarez and buist um and if you want to see how ferocious he is and you don't want to watch the alvarez fight again follow yang when he beat follow yang with with a knee and soccer kicks which are also allowed in one that guy is a destroyer of men but for me Christian Lee is 22 years old. And to think of the experience that he has already and how good he is at 22 years old is frankly quite frightening. And he's, what, three or four years away from his prime. Do you reckon your athletic prime is between 27 and 32, mainly? And I'd back that for MMA as well, apart from the heavyweight division where it tends to be a little bit older just because of the nature of the beast. But he is... On that logic, five years away from his prime, and wow, if he's going to get better, I, I dread to think. This is the time for Nasty Yukon to fight him before he gets any better, and even at this point, I still think Christian Lee's too good. I think he's going to win, and I think he's going to finish 
Nasty Yukon. Um, I'll call a submission. Round three. Ooh. Yeah, I think we're going to find out how good Lee is. One way or the other. Nasty Yukon is aptly named. Aptly named. I'm going to have to go with Christopher Christopher Lee. I, I'm not going to predict the round, but I, I, I think Lee takes this. Yeah, he's he's a killer, Christian Lee. He's he's. I mean, Nasty Yukon's obviously a destroyer of men, but Christian Lee. If you don't know, get to know. Go and look at him on on YouTube. Go and find him online. He is the real deal. I'm telling you. Um, and one day, hopefully, we'll get him over to America, whether it's Bellator or the UFC, and we'll find out just how good he really is. Justin, I'm serving it back over to you. Nemkov, and oh no, you're, you've got Whitaker and Gastelum, haven't you? So I'll let you do Whitaker do, and Gastelum. I'll let you do Whitaker and Gastelum. We're going to break the order a little bit, but we'll let Justin go first because I've got. Uh, I'm very polite. Middleweight, UFC Vegas 24. This is probably for the next challenger for the title. That that is how tennis works. <laughs> you have to, otherwise you're playing against a wall or you're cheating. Um, Gastelum's lost three of his last four. Whitaker has lost one out of his last four. Whitaker's not lost since he lost to Adesanya. Whitaker looks. I mean, he, for me, he's the second best, potentially second best, maybe not including Darren Till, because I'm a little bit biased there. Yeah. He's up there with Darren Till as the second, second best in that division. I feel like this fight goes very similar to the Gaslam versus Till fight. I just feel like Gaslam's a little bit undersized at middleweight. I feel like he's going to struggle to get in on Whitaker. I think Whitaker's footwork is just a little bit too good. But yeah. we'll see. Because Whitaker, if he comes out and he just charges forwards like it did against Adesanya, Gaslam has got fantastic hands. Fantastic yeah. hands. He's got lovely boxing. So can he catch him coming in? And that's the argument Gastelum has because he's not he's not going to be out wrestling Whitaker. And he's not going to be out kickboxing Whitaker. Um he's got the tenth planet groundwork, but tenth planet for me in the mm. UFC, no. You, you want your jiu-jitsu fundamentals. It's it's still very much old school jiu-jitsu in MMA because it's simple stuff that's designed to work with punches. It's, it's your old school, it's your it's your hierarchy of positions, and, and that's that's how it works in MMA. There's some exceptions to the rule, Korean Zombie with his twister, um, but we've not really seen in, in the UFC level the 10th Planet stuff take over. We, we just haven't, and th there's a reason for that. And it's, it's just a little bit too slow from my, from my understanding and from my sort of position. The, the Tenth Planet stuff doesn't necessarily always cut it. Doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that in the situations that it's been applied to, maybe not the best response. Yeah. So I, f I feel like Whitaker. Whitaker for those reasons. Whitaker takes it. Yeah, I I I can't look past Whitaker. I think he. I think maybe there was a couple of mental uh, blockades. We'll call them. Um, in his fight against Adesanya, and there was a couple of times he rushed and he didn't quite look like Whitaker that we've all come to know as the linchpin of the middleweight division. And I, I do think he's the second best middleweight in the world. You know, he had a close fight against Till uh, and Styles make fights. Um, and I think this is going to be fascinating stylistically as well. But I, I just think wherever Gastelum's good, Whitaker's better. So yeah. I 100% agree with you on that one. And uh, Justin's reminded me how tennis works. So obviously that means the ball's been popped over the uh, the net into my side again for the last fight on the list, but second to last as you see them there. Light heavyweight, the Grand Prix, or officially part of the Grand Prix. Bellator 257, April the 16th. Nemkov, the current title holder, facing off against Phil Davis for the second time. Apologies, I should say Nemkov Davis too. Close fight last time between these men. Split decision, as I remember, um, which I did think Nemkov won. Nemkov, again, he, a little bit like we said with Nasty Yukon, is a destroyer of men. We mentioned before the Bader fight. Now, for anyone who watched the Bader finish, again, jump onto my favourite website, YouTube, and go and have a look at that if you've not seen it already. Head kick, follow-up punches, done and dusted. The guy is a straight-up knockout artist. It is the classic striker versus wrestler matchup because Phil Davis, we all know what he's going to do. And Phil Davis has got, 
it's always a weird one with Phil Davis. I, I feel like you never know which Phil Davis is going to turn up because when you look at his resume, he's got some spectacular names on there. He's beaten the likes of Clover to Sarah, Alexander Gustafsson, you know, top, top level guys over in the UFC. Uh, Leo Machida, once upon a time, I think that was under the UFC banner. Um, and then he's come over to Bellator. He's picked up another couple of decent wins here and there, you know, against Vassell and Emmanuel Newton. But he's not quite, even though he's reached the top of the hill, he's not quite had the staying power to, to remain there. And it's always a question of who's going to turn up because he can make it a difficult fight for anyone, Phil Davis, for any light heavyweight on the planet. Even if your name's John Jones, I feel like he could even give him problems. He's that good. It just depends on two things for me. What I've just said there, which version of Phil Davis shows up and how good Nemkov really is because he's still quite young and I feel like he's getting even better. He's got plenty of upside and the, the fight's there for the taking if, if he wants it to be there for the taking as far as I'm concerned. So I think he's going to put the split decision they had to bed and I think he's going to knock him out and I'll call it second round. I can't disagree with that. Big fan of Phil Davis. Mr. Wonderful. Is that still his yeah. name? It's fantastic. Yeah. With those pink shorts before yeah. all the Reebok business, those pink shorts. I love that. Fantastic. Yeah, I just think Phil Davis is going to be too good. There's an opportunity for an upset. Definitely. Nemkov is no joke, but Phil definitely has the skill set to uh, to close this one out. Oh, so you think you think Phil Davis is going to win? Yeah. See, I, did, I think Nemkov's going to finish him. Do you think so? I think Nemkov's going to I just said him. I agree with you, and I think Phil's going to win. I disagree with you in that case. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Nemkov. No, I, no, I just no, think no. there's too much upside with Nemkov. Uh, the guy's just, he's, he's, a, he's a wrecking ball, man. He's just yeah. a, a light heavyweight, really muscular, definitely not on any weird Mexican <laughs> supplements whatsoever, um, ball of fury. And I just think he's going to he's gonna put the split decision out to bed and he's going to prove he's the best light heavyweight in Bellator. He's going to run through him. We'll see. I, I think Phil Davis's experience is going to count for a lot more than you, you think. I mean, what style has he not seen? He's always got the wrestling to fall back on. Yeah, it's just I I don't know I give I give the wrestling many points in MMA especially with how the they score the cards. You always give me credit, but I mean you, you did it with the Marice and the DJ fight. Sometimes Justin, you just see things that I don't see, so I can't say I can't say that you're not going to be right. I I don't bet on fights, Chris, because when I bet on fights, I'm wrong. When I don't bet on fights, I normally get it right. Because yeah. <laughs> there's, like no, there's no because there's no there's no upside. Yeah, I, I I like having money, so I don't bet. It's great. <laughs> right. No, I, I always win. Go on. We've got we've got a couple more sections if uh, if Justin will indulge me. So um unfortunately we've had a tech problems. So we do not have the whistle to no chance uh intro this week. I'll get that sorted for next week, which is a shame because it's you know my favorite part of any podcast ever that's ever existed. But Whittle to No Chance, I did say I was coming back to Paddy the Baddy. This week, Whittle to No Chance. Paddy the Baddy is a top 15 contender already at both featherweight and lightweight, Justin. Do you agree? At both. At no. both? No, you can't, you can't say that yet. We'll, we'll know after his first fight, but you can't, you can't say that yet. Paddy the Baddy mm. is very, very good. He's very, very good. I mean, the man throws flying triangles off the cage. Like if you've not Phenomenal. if you've not seen Paddy the Baddy, I've I've seen Paddy the Baddy live, and his walkout. If they let him keep that walkout with heads will roll, he is a massive character for the UFC. I don't. Yeah. I really hope they build him up slowly, similar to what they did with Connor. Give him give him a couple of people on the edge, then a couple of people in the middle, and then a Dennis Seaver type character while we're waiting for the the champion to be oh, free. Dennis Seaver. <laughs> Oh, that was, that was poor. I hope Danny Seaver got paid for that fight because that, that was that was a mean thing to do. Yeah, but he I got paid eight and eight. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but Paddy Paddy has done the right thing so far. He's he's delayed his entry to the UFC until he is ready or his head ready. I can feel him and his team treat the matchmaking the same way. Hopefully. 
and not not bite off more than, than they can chew to begin with. I think it also depends which weight class it goes for. I was going to ask you that. Which which is better for you if you could choose one for him? I would probably go lightweight. Probably go yeah. lightweight just because he's going to be cutting a lot of weight to featherweight. And I know things about next gen, which I'm not going to say on this podcast because deliveries will be local and their nutrition. Um, but yeah, I, I would hope lightweight. Um, yeah. He's only going to get bigger. He's still relatively young, still in his 20s. So he's going to fill out more. So lightweight is probably the better longevity choice for him. But we don't know. I mean, he did an interview the other day with um, BT Sport, um, with what's-his-face, I can't remember his name, and Paddy said he doesn't know what weight class he was going to go for yet, that we're going to see what the UFC offered, which is interesting to me that even Paddy doesn't know. So we will see. But you, you can't you can't come out of Cage Warriors. I mean, he's lost three times in Cage Warriors. You can't come out with a record like that and go straight into the top 15 of the UFC unless you are something extremely special. Now, I would love, I would love to be proved wrong. I would love for Paddy to come out, be a top 10 contender in his first fight and then win the belt. I would love it. Yeah. But I just don't see it. Even the best ever product of Cage Warriors, you'd argue, Conor McGregor got Marcus Brimage first. So they didn't even rush him too much. Granted, he got Max Holloway next, but we, <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't support our argument. Like, but, <laughs> but Max Holloway then there. was not Max Holloway now. No, 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 no. Obviously, he was getting there, but he wasn't. But yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly what you're saying. It, they hopefully they will take him. They'll realise he's a character. And to use Dana's words when he spoke about Connor, if this kid can fight, he'll be a star because he can talk. Paddy, Paddy can talk. He can do the walk. Very Darren Till like with his shit talking. I feel like he's a properly a star in the making if they can get him through, or if Paddy can get himself through. Never mind the UFC getting him through 100%. the first three or four fights, and then and then he'll be established. He'll have a have a genuine idea of where the skill set lies, and he'll be able to push on from there. Banging! I would not disagree with that whatsoever. That is this week's little to no chance. Justin, we have got one more thing to go on this podcast. The results real going over all of the results from the major organizations that have landed in the last two weeks in less than a minute. Everyone. You'll notice the obvious omission there was obviously one on TNT one, but at the start of the podcast, we did go over the results or the big results from that card slightly. So if you've missed that, please rewind back to the start. You'll hear us talking about the top three fights on that card. Justin, that is us pretty much done. We've done very well this week. We went on for about an hour and a half last time and we had to cut it down because me and you just love each other that much that we could talk fights all day. We've got it to pretty much an hour, nice and bite-sized this time round. How do you feel? <laughs> Justin, I've lost your sound. You're that excited you've turned your volume off. It's a cracking job. I muted myself in the results reel and then realised that you'd muted me and then didn't unmute myself. Technology. You'll all get to this age. Technology. We don't get along. It's all right. Last time in the last podcast, I had to do an editing job because I muted myself for two minutes while I was talking about Nurmagomedov's family <laughs> and, and how good they all were. And I went on this passionate rant and then Justin was just like, uh, Chris, we still there, mate? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh God, I've got to repeat myself again with the same zest. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Right, let's go over the um, a little bit of housekeeping before we send everyone off on the merry way. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at MMA And subscribe to us on YouTube. That is the principal place where you can catch this podcast. Just search for MED Sports Network. 
hit the subscribe button. And then every time we drop one of these podcasts every two weeks at 9 p.m. on a Thursday, you will get a ping notification. It'll tell you that we are live. Justin, it has been incredible doing another episode with you. Me and you talk pretty much every bloody day anyway, and I love it and I never get tired of it. But these podcasts especially are always a joy to do. Thank you very much for joining me again, mate. Ta-ra. Please subscribe to us on social media by searching for at MMA. We're also on YouTube. Please search for Mad Sports Network and hit the subscribe button. We're available on all major podcast stations, from Spotify to Apple and Google Podcasts, Anchor, and many, many more. So whatever channel you prefer listening to, please hit that subscribe button and you'll know when our latest episodes are available. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time.